Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer and the host of Funding the Dream, and this is episode 44. And today I'd like to say thank you to several people who backed my project and made it possible for Funding the Dream to receive funding for episode series three, excuse me, for series three. The thanks go out to Lawrence O'Brien from the UK, and I appreciate Lawrence. He's been a guest host on the show and appreciate his support. Eric Dahlman, Margaret Bliss. Uh, there is no relationship other than by blood. That is my daughter who supported my podcast. Thank you, Maggie. Grant Rodeic, Dan Patris, Matt Pat, Brian Fisher, and Gregory Bell. Those are some of those were my first backers for Funding the Dream, and I just wanted to give them a shout-out and say thank you very much. On this episode, we have a special guest um, who isn't involved necessarily with designing board games, but is involved with Kickstarter and trying to realize her dream with Kickstarter. And I've invited Sarah Palmero to join me. Sarah is a, an aspiring author from the Sacramento area. And Sarah, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Now, Sarah, you and I met uh, just a little while ago at Conquest, where I was there doing a seminar on Kickstarter. You were kind enough to come, and we were able to chat and talk. And I invited you on the show because I think there's a lot of folks out there who can kind of learn from the experience you've had on Kickstarter. You currently have a project on Kickstarter, right? I do. Tell me about it. Uh, the project is titled Giving the Dragon New Wings, The Dragon Undone. It is, was, is an attempt to republish a fantasy romance novel that I wrote several years ago. Okay. So um, I call it just The Dragon Undone because I can't remember all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> and I went out and I looked at the, uh, the project and uh, the video I liked. Now, it doesn't talk about the project. It doesn't, you know, you don't get to see you. You don't get to see anything. But we do get to hear your voice as you read to, uh, to us the sonnet of that you put into your story. Did you write that sonnet yourself? I did. I really like it. Thank you. Do you have it memorized? Uh, no, but I have it in front of me. <laughs> would, you, but no. would you read it for us? Sure. Because I, I really did enjoy it. So um, let's take a listen to, to your sonnet. When from my nest of embers I arise To soar above the world on wings of flame, Tis hope I wish to see in mortal eyes, Not fear birthed by the whisper of my name. Yet time and talk conspire against my kind, Paint monsters in the shadow of man's dreams, For here a noble people he might find, If he believed not all is as it seems. Now wicked fate decrees us bound as friends. If one falls, then the other surely fails. Our lives apart entangled to the end, no matter whether war or peace prevails. My life rests in your hands, twin-tethered soul, and our worlds must survive the halves made whole. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Twin-tethered How's that line go? Twin tethered? Twin tethered soul. Twin tethered soul. I like that. Um, so y you have been writing for quite a while, right? Yes. I think uh, um, when we were talking earlier, you started to write professionally. When did you decide you wanted to start writing professionally? I decided in 1998, so several years ago. <laughs> yeah, how many? That's uh, 14 years ago. And... Um, how many times have you been published? How many? 
we're going to use the term book here loosely because in today's day and age, um, I, I'm a published author. I, you know, I have on something on Amazon, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to show up on the New York Times bestseller list. And in right. your case, it's kind of the same thing, right? Right. Uh, Absolutely. So how many how many times have you written a book and then published it, whether electronically or print or anything like that? I think if we're counting like short, not short stories, but novellas and things like that, somewhere between twelve and fourteen. Okay. Well, that's pretty impressive. I know there's a lot of people out there who who dream about the idea of actually writing, and and sitting down and doing the work is really, I mean, I guess work is the word, isn't it? It takes some effort. It is. It takes a lot more work than than you would think, or that even I thought at the beginning. Right. And so in your case, uh, uh, this book, Dragon Undone. Uh, you have it as a Kickstarter project because you there were some issues with it. It went to the publisher, but then some things happened. So tell us about that a little, just a little bit. Um, the book was originally published by a romance publisher, an electronic publisher. And at the time, I don't think that either one of us really knew how to market it or how to promote it. Um, they were much more focused on romance. I was much more focused on fantasy. And the book did find a little bit of an audience, but not the sort of audience that I was looking for. Uh, they, or, or they were looking for. Or they were looking for, exactly. All yeah. Right. And so that was – and then it took a while. Now, you told me it took a while for you to get your, the rights to your book back. Yes. Why? Most... What, what happens that you would – for those who are listening who maybe want to dabble or maybe write something and they go to talk to a publisher, what happens that you lose the rights to your book? So when a publisher buys – buys a book from you, contracts you to write a book, they usually ask for North America, first North American rights, which means that they get the right to print the book in one of many formats. They usually take the print right, so they have the right to print it in physical form. Um, nowadays, they're taking the electronic right as well, so they have the right to publish it electronically. And they usually hold that for an, a certain amount of time. It depends on the contract and depends on the publisher, but it can be from anything from two years to 10 years, depending on who you're working with. Oh, wow. Wow. And you give that up because you assume and hope that they have the ability to not only produce the book, but then to also market and get the book distributed, right? Yes. That's the idea here. That's the hope. Yeah. That's the hope. So along comes Kickstarter because Kickstarter, as we're seeing in one industry after another, kind of disconnects that, doesn't it? It does. It really does. So tell me how – I've had – I don't know if you know who Tracy Hickman is. I do, yes. Tr Tracy's been on the show, and he's kind of talked about the impact that the, that Kickstarter has allowed the creative person and, the, and the, the fan to kind of come together. Is that, is that the dream that you're having when you put your project out on Kickstarter? Yeah, you, I was hoping to yeah to find a fan base to have support from fans who are interested in reading things that publishers are not necessarily producing right now. I think that's a lot of the appeal of Kickstarter is that you can do things that the publishers are not interested in or are not looking for at the moment. Right. Okay. Yes, that niche market, and we're seeing that particularly right now with the with the video games, with uh, Schaefer's um, Double Fine that did three point three bazillion dollars on Kickstarter, right. and now Wasteland Two. Uh, which is doing very well. I think they're at 1.5 million, 1.3 million. Uh, I was just looking at that, and I think they might actually be a little bit higher than that now. Probably. I haven't looked at it for an hour. It, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's been going up. Uh, we're going to have Brian, the CEO of, uh, of that company on the show here, uh, probably next week uh, to kind of talk about that. But in your case, did you find it? How much, did you find how much it was? 
Uh, no, I'd stop looking. Hang on. Uh, sorry about that. I was going to say in your case, um, one of the reasons I had you on the show was because oftentimes we focus on the successes like the Double Fine or Wasteland 2. But we have to remember that less than half of Kickstarter projects that are posted up there actually succeed or are successful in funding. And in your case, your project actually struggling a little bit to find funding, isn't it? It is, yes. And this is uh, your th this was your first Kickstarter project. This was my first attempt, yes. Okay, and that's a very key thing to say. That's your first attempt because one of the nice things we know about Kickstarter is if you don't succeed, you can always try again. You can always <laughs> try again. Um, and I've seen several that have been successful in being able to put their project up there. So, did you find it now? I did. It's actually it is still at one point five, a little okay. bit more than that, but one point five. One point five million. That's uh, not too bad. They were actually no. they were actually asking for nine hundred thousand dollars. So, um, one of the highest amounts that's ever been asked for on Kickstarter and successfully funded. Wow, so that's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. Um, but also, we have to remember those who who try and struggle a little bit. Now, your project. How many? How much time's left on your project? Nine days. Okay, nine days. And what percentage are you at with your project? I am at 27% right now. All right. And, and Kickstarter has said there's that magic 30%. That if you get to 30%, you've got a 90% chance of success. Right. But in your case… Not if, there yet. <laughs> no, not, you're the, not there yet. Now, you've done this. You did your first attempt. What insights? Because we have, we have a lot of people who listen to the show, and they're, always, they're, they're listening because they want to do the same thing. They have a project, a game, a book, a movie, a, a video game, and they want to have, bring it out. What advice, now that you're winding down here towards the end of your first Kickstarter attempt, what have you learned and what, you think, what do you think that you're going to do different next time? Um, I've thought about it a lot, actually. And I think what well, we talked about at Conquest, we talked about the first thing that came to mind um, was the cross-promotion idea um, or you know, getting involved with somebody else's Kickstarter, having them donate to your project or not. Um, I do have, as I said when I was talking to you before, I have a friend who is a, a successfully published author, and she has volunteered to do a project with me. So I'm hoping that that will help. Um, but I think the main thing that is important in doing a Kickstarter project is to make sure that you have a fan base and that you know who your supporters are and who's going to be there from the very beginning before you even set up the project. Because... Because those are the people who are going to make the impact. Those are the people who are going to get you to that 30%, the magic 30%. Um, those are the people who are going to spread the word for you. And it's not a matter of relying on people you don't know finding your project or being told about it. It's people who know you and support you and want to help you out right from the get-go. So you, you, know, you have that upsurge of, hey, look what's happening. We're actually donating and there's movement. The, the money is going up. The percentage is increasing. And people are seeing something interesting happen. In your case, uh, you kind of had a unique – when you and I sat down and talked, you, you had a, a bit of a unique challenge because you have a fan base, but you, as you sh said to me, your fan base crosses over with some other people who are doing similar style Kickstarter projects, right? Yes. Yeah, I have a shared fan base or a shared pool of potential donators, um, and there are several people who are running Kickstarter projects or have plans to run Kickstarter projects in the next few months. So – yeah, we have a shared pool of people, and those people, I think, are trying to figure out exactly how much they can afford to support everyone as opposed to just picking one person and backing that person. They want to support all of their friends, but there's only so much money. <laughs> so, 
That's right. They it's, have to choose. That's right. And it, and I had the same thing. I think I told you that when my project went live, I had a friend who had just donated a significant amount of money to uh, another friend's project. And because mm-hmm. the, she was friends with both of us, uh, she lamented the fact that, oh, she had given such a, a large portion to the one friend that she apologized. And apology. You don't need to apologize for not giving me money. Um, right, exactly. But you were kind of in the same uh, same boat. How do you think – so one is to kind of combine forces like you've kind of talked about here with a friend who kind of helped you out. Yes. What other things do you think that you can do to build your fan base before your Kickstarter project goes live? Um, I think it's a good thing to have uh, a blog where people – can talk to you or a forum, some sort of means where people can interact with you, whether that's a forum, a blog, um, a Facebook account, a Twitter account, something where people can get to know you and can find out what kind of person you are and what kind of projects you're working on before you try to ask them for money, basically. Um, okay. I think that's, yeah, uh, I think that's good. Uh, and nowadays social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, all these different places that you can go and connect to people. Right, you've got you've got to build that uh, that community first. Right. Yes. All right. So uh, in nine days, your project's going to end. It, mm-hmm. uh, it might be successful. Uh, the odds are probably saying it's not going to make it. The odds are stacked pretty highly against me. I think right now they are. So what are you going to do? Uh, how are you going to? What are you going to do next? When will we see Dragon Undone come back in an, another variation? Uh, the Dragon Undone is probably what I will probably do is take that book. I will finish the revisions on it. I will probably actually go ahead and publish that book on my own um, so that I have a body of work under this particular name, under this pseudonym. I have something that people can go out and look at and they can see my writing style. They can see if they enjoy what I write. Um, I will be back again on Kickstarter, but I will probably be doing another, a different project before I come back to the Dragon. Okay. Well, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to have to look for it then in print. I'll have to go or, uh, electronically because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that sonnet and I enjoyed the a little bit of the storyline of the tying the human and the dragon kind together. Was I, I very much enjoyed that. So I'll be looking for it. It will happen. It is going to happen. That's not in question. Well, good. And when you talk about self self-publishing, what route are you going to take to do that? I'm probably going to go through, I will publish it on Kindle and Nook and that kind of thing. So it'll be available for e-readers. I may go ahead and publish it through CreateSpace. So I have some uh, trade paperback copies that are available to those who want them. Um, I'm not going to do a major print run or anything like that, but the option will be there. Perfect. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking just for a few minutes about your project. It's always hard to talk about non-successes is how I'll put that. It's always hard not you know, to, to talk about where we, we were hoping something would be successful and it wasn't. It'd be much more fun to say, yay, I did it. But, you know, yeah, this is the reality. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Well, we're going to have you back because you're going to come back and you're going to say, yay, I did it. And, All right. And we're going to get to watch that one. And I look forward to being able to, to become a backer on that one um, because I enjoy your writing and what I've seen so far. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me and having me on the show. For those of you, you're welcome. For those of you who are listening, who think that maybe in the next nine days, Sarah deserves a chance, you can go out to Kickstarter and look up her project by looking up Dragon Undone. At the same conference that Sarah and I met, I had the opportunity of sitting down and interviewing, having a unique interview, and I'd like to share that interview with you now from Conquest Sacramento. This is Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer. 
and you are listening to Funding the Dream. This episode is being brought to you outside of, uh, just outside of Sacramento. We're at Conquest SAC, a board game convention, and we're sitting at the booth for the folks who designed and created Pizza Theory. Pizza Theory was a recent Kickstarter uh, project that was successful, but we're here to talk with a special guest. Brian and Greg Powers were the creator of Pizza Theory, but I'm here with Mary Ann Powers, who's the mother of Brian and Greg, to talk about what's it like to, to raise a, a family that has a couple of successfully, uh, successful gentlemen who have designed a board game. Marianne, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. I know this is kind of fun. We're sitting here at the booth. It's surrounded by people. A lot of noise in the background. Marianne, uh, is this what, when you said your sons were going to grow up and be wildly successful, was it as board game designers? Is that what you had in mind? No. They're both very good at math, though, and, and numbers. And they, so I always thought they'd, do, they'd design something. But I wasn't thinking in the terms of board games. Now, uh, I've got to believe that as a family, that some type of board game background there. What kind of background, what kind of games did you guys play? And, and were you exposed to, exposed to board games when you were growing up? Yes, I was. My mom, my mom uh, taught, used board games to teach us reading, basic reading skills um, and counting skills and math skills. And um, she was a big believer in playing games, and we did it a lot. And then when I raised my kids, we also we played board games. I think it teaches valuable lessons to kids, like how to take turns, how to share, um, how to be a good loser, and um, a lot of other life skills. Yeah, I think so, because, you know, when you sit down to play a game of, well, Monopoly's not necessarily a good game to teach people to be a good loser. I've never, I've never played a game of Monopoly where somebody was a good loser, but you, you bring up a valid point. So um, tell me, when they came to you with this idea, what did you think? What was your thoughts when Pizza Theory started to kind of move down that path towards uh, creation? What kind of thoughts did you have about that? Well, everybody loves pizza, and uh, it was a simple game. It was simple enough for even children to play, but it had strategy that appealed to older, older people. So um, I encouraged them to go for it. And pick. It wasn't really their favorite idea. They had several ideas, and this wasn't their favorite, but I, I encouraged them to go with it because it seemed like it would be something that would catch on because people like pizza. People do like pizza, and the game is fun. I sat down with, uh, with your sons and kind of talked to them about the design and everything. And just for our listeners to be clear, your sons are grown men. We're, you know, we're, not, you know, we're not talking about children that designed this game. Um, uh, it's interesting the theme kind of evolved because there were a lot of different themes. But this is kind of a unique game because it's a, it's a game that's played simultaneously, but yet it's got a theme that's kind of fun that everybody can take a look at. Uh, did you, were you one of the playtesters on the game? No. <laughs> no, they kind of had it all figured out before they showed it to me. All right. And then now you've got it here. We're sitting at the booth. People are walking up. Just now as we were talking, somebody walked up, wanted to see the game. How does it feel? You, I mean, this is, a, this is showing up in board game stores. Is that kind of a fun, uh, a fun idea here? Oh, I'm very proud of my boys, and I take it with me, show my friends, and they're all impressed too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very proud. What kind of work do you do that you take it with you and you show your friends? <laughs> oh, well, I... I'm a teacher, but um, there's a group of us that have retired from teaching, and we get together once a month for lunch, and I take it to them. <laughs> and um, where else did I take it to, um, to our church? We have a little Bible study group. I took it there, and I show it around. <laughs> I'm proud of what they've done. Yeah, they've done. And, and how's the feedback been? Have people enjoyed playing the game? Yeah. No, I, there's only one person I've um, played it with that didn't care for it. So. But most people really like it. And think well, that person probably didn't like pizza either, did they? Yeah, so that's, 
All right. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us. What do you think? Do you think that they can? Uh, you think they can come up with another one? They got another uh, great idea there for a board game in their heads. I don't know. I told them that they need to keep working on one. I mean, you can only ride on your laurels for so long, and then you have to come up with something else. So. Like a good mother, always encouraging them to success. Well, Marianne, thank you very much for joining us. You've been talking. We've been talking with Marianne Powers, the mother of Brian and Greg Powers, the creators of Pizza Theory, a successful Kickstarter uh, game that is now being seen in stores as we speak. So, Marianne, thank you very much for joining me on the show. You're welcome. Ms. You've been listening to this portion of Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisperer.